amen. We ought to shout amen. Some folks, when they get to heaven, they're not going to have any practice at all. Never had any practice. I'm going to shout when I get to heaven. I'm going to shout on the way. I'm going to have a good time. I appreciate that good song. It's shouting time in heaven. It was a blessing to meet with new converts this week and today and just to see the difference that Christ makes in a life. I mean, just amazing. It's miraculous. It's a wonderful thing. Open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 4 and mark your Bible as we go through uh, this passage of Scripture. Uh, tonight we may look at other verses, but we'll come back uh, to this being the focal point. And verse number 6 is the text verse uh, where the Bible says, And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Heavenly Father, I pray that you uh, will uh, bless the preaching of your word tonight. I pray that you would fill me with your spirit and a hunger, a hunger to be used, a hunger to be filled. This is a wonderful, this is an amazing, this is an encouraging passage of scripture. I pray that our attention would be given on purpose. And I pray, Lord, that those that may be filled with worldliness and carnality and not hungry for anything spiritual, I pray that you would help us to overcome that. And Lord, that we would have a spiritual appetite for this is what we need. Help us to receive the spiritual food for this evening. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I have long loved this passage of Scripture and specifically because of the words found in verse number 6. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, or Abba, Father. Because we are sons, I'm glad I'm a child of God. He sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts. I'm glad I have the Holy Spirit living within me. And that Holy Spirit cries, Abba, Father. The word Abba means Father. But here where it says Father, Father or Abba, Father, it has more of an intimate fellowship, closeness, relationship. And it would be as the words we would use, Dear Father. I loved my father so much. He was a dear father. I uh, thank the Lord for his uh, testimony, and though he died at the young age of 40, I'm thankful for the spiritual influence of uh, his life in mine, and uh, you're mighty blessed if you had a spiritual father. If not, you ought to begin that heritage in your family to be a spiritual father to your children. The book of Galatians was written to Christians who had accepted Christ as Savior. However, there was a group of folks that told them you could have a deeper experience. You could have a closer fellowship, a deeper experience with God if you would add to your faith works for salvation. And uh, they actually bewitched them. And Paul uses an interesting word, uh, that word witch or bewitched. Uh, it means that they had been enchanted with a teaching or they had been enchanted with a teacher who they felt like would help them to have a 
deeper walk with God than they had just as having faith and they added at the old works of the law and Judaism to their faith and Paul wrote to them and he said you've been lied to you've been told wrong you have been bewitched you can't add anything to faith to make your Christian experience any better than what it is uh, than you have by simply accepting Christ as your Savior by grace through faith. Now, this teaching is called legalism. Uh, some folks think of standards or convictions or rules as legalism. If that were true, everybody would be a legalist because there's rules, rules for everything. I mean, and, and that's not the purpose of the message to talk about those things. Legalism, as it's defined, is adding something to faith for salvation. One of the tragedies of legalism is that it gives the appearance of spiritual maturity when in reality it leads the believer back into a childhood of Christian experience. Now, the Galatian Christians' so-called deeper experience or deeper walk with God had taken them the wrong way. And rather than increasing their faith, it had decreased their faith in God and had increased their faith or their trust in themselves. And uh, their experience is not too different than that of Christians today who get involved in various legalistic doctrines of men and uh, hoping to become better Christians. And maybe their motives are right, but their methods are wrong. And I, I'm going to preach tonight on the subject. It's good just to have a Heavenly Father uh, that meant what he said and said what he meant for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God not of works, lest any man should boast. Paul was telling them that they had been bewitched by the Judaizers, causing them to think that the law would make grace better. You see, the old nature feels an attraction to some type of an obedience because that law enabled them to do things and to measure external results. And if they could measure themselves and their achievements, they felt a sense of accomplishment and a tad bit of pride. For when you just have salvation by grace through faith in Christ, you have no reason for, for, you have no reason for pride in self because you realize I can do nothing, I am nothing, I'm saved and I'm kept only by Him. Doesn't get any deeper than that. He does the saving, he does the keeping. It's sort of like I read the story of an airplane and the passengers heard the pilot make the announcement and he said, we have bad news and we have good news. Our navigation system is, has lost our position and we've been flying without direction for over an hour. That's the bad news is. Now the good news is we're making record time. And that's what these Galatians were doing. They were making record time going nowhere. Folks, you can't add to what Christ said is finished. So Paul writes to these Christians who had been bewitched to convince them that all they needed was a faith in Christ for salvation. 
So I'm not preaching tonight to tell you how to be saved. Most of you, as I know you, you know Christ as Savior. I'm preaching tonight to say rejoice in the fact and be satisfied and rejoice in the fact that you are saved by grace through faith in Christ. Now, Paul explains their adoption, and I love this. In verse number 5, he says this, to redeem, that were under the, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. I love this, and I want to explain this. We do not enter God's family by adoption the same way a homeless child would enter a loving family in our society. The way to get into God's family is by regeneration or to be regened. As Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3 and verse number 3, ye must be born again. And when Nicodemus confessed that he was a sinner and received Christ as Savior, he was regenerated or he was regened or he received the genes of the Heavenly Father as is confirmed by the Spirit of the Son is placed in us at salvation. Now the New Testament word for adoption means to be placed as an adult son. And it has to do with our standing in the family of God. We're not little children but adult sons with all of the privileges of sonship. Now there's a bit of a difference between a child of God and a son of God. Both are going to heaven. Uh, one is going to receive more of the blessings because of his growth in the Christian life and his obedience to uh, the word of God as we'll see a little later on. But we are the children of God by faith in Christ born into God's family. And every child of God placed into the family as a son has all the rights and privileges as a son. Now when a sinner trusts Christ and is saved, as far as his condition is concerned, he is a spiritual babe that needs to grow in Christ. I read these words from 1 Peter uh, chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, the Bible says this, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. As far as his position is concerned, he is an adult son in position that can draw on the father's wealth and who can exercise all the wonderful privileges of sonship. We enter God's family by regeneration. We enjoy God's family by adoption. I want to give you three statements tonight. That was introduction. I want to give you three statements tonight as I outline these six verses of Galatians chapter 4. First of all, he tells us what we were. We were children in bondage in verses 1 through 3. And no matter how wealthy a father may be, his infant son or infant child cannot really enjoy that wealth. He is too young, he is too weak, he is too immature to enjoy his inheritance or what the father has. Now in the Roman world, and this is an important illustration, in the Roman world the children of wealthy people were always cared for by a servant. They must have had mean kids. Uh, but in the Roman world, the children of wealthy people were cared for by a servant. Now, no matter who his father was, the child was still a child and under the supervision 
of a servant. Now, this is important to understand the doctrinal emphasis of this passage. Under the supervision of a servant until a certain age. And when they reached a certain age, they could receive their inheritance. In fact, the child himself was not much different from the servant who cared for him in their day-to-day life. The servant was commanded by the master of the house, and the child was commanded by the servant. I hope you'll stay with me now. This was the spiritual condition of the Jews under the age of the law before Christ came. This was the spiritual condition. You see, the Roman child was cared for by the servant. Uh, The Roman commanded the servant. The servant commanded the child. And that's how life was before Christ came for the Jew under the law. Uh, The law uh, was the guardian that disciplined the nation and prepared the people for the coming of Christ. Look at Galatians chapter 3 and notice verse number 23. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. If the average person or any person just read and studied the law and compared themselves to a law to the law, we would just say, I give. There's no hope of me having salvation. And that's what the law reveals to all of us, that we're sold unto sin and we have a sin nature. And so the law does its work by saying we are sinners. And then Christ comes, as I preached this morning, he came not to destroy, he came to fulfill The law said unto the schoolmaster, you need a Savior. And Jesus came and said, I am your Savior, and by grace are you saved through faith. Now, I'm going somewhere. I ask you to please stay with me. Now, when the Judaizers led the Galatians back into that legalism, they were leading them not into religious freedom for a deeper walk, They were taking them backwards. They'd already been under the law. The grace came came to set them free. You don't add to grace by adding the law. That's not going forward. That's going backwards. And they, they were trying to tell them, oh, you have a deeper walk with God. You have a greater experience. If you'll, add, uh, if you'll add obedience to the law, to your faith for salvation. They weren't going forward. They were going backwards. Hear me well. Christ completed the work on Calvary. I, I'm saved by grace through faith. I'm preaching to you tonight what Paul preached to the uh, church at Galatia. And when the Judaizers led them back, they were leading them into religious bondage. And Paul says the Jews were like little children in bondage to the elements of the world. Let's notice it. Look at verse number 1. Now I say then that the heir, as long as he is a child, different nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. Now he is Lord, he is a son, but he's cared for by the servant until a certain age. The age referenced here is the coming of Christ. Verse number 2. But is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under 
the elements of the world. And what he's saying here, uh, these Judaizers, they're trying to teach you the ABCs and the basic principles again. You need to go forward in faith to obedience uh, uh, because you're a child of God, not go back to the bondage of the law. Now stay with me. For some 15 centuries, Israel had been in kindergarten and grade school learning their spiritual ABCs so they would be ready when Christ would come. Then they would get the full revelation for Christ is not only the Alpha, He is the Omega, He is not the Destroyer, He is the Fulfiller, and He came and fulfilled the law. Legalism then is not a step toward maturity, it's a step backward into childhood. The law was not God's final revelation. It was preparation for the final revelation in that of Christ. It is important that a person know his ABCs. It's important to know that we are sinners in need of a Savior. Uh, Those ABCs, those elements of the world, they're the foundation for understanding all the language. But a man that goes to the library and sits there and recites his ABCs instead of reading the books is not showing spiritual maturity. He's showing spiritual immaturity. I don't need to try to complete what Christ has already done in grace. I'm thankful tonight that I'm saved by grace through faith in Christ. Now that's what we were. And then notice verse number 5 is what God did. He redeemed us. The expression, the fullness of time, is very interesting. Look at verse number 4. But when the fullness of time, when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. Every word is important. Historians tell us that Roman, that the Roman world was in great expectation of the coming of Christ. They were waiting for a deliverer at the time that Christ was born. And I quote tonight, historians of old wrote, the old religions were dying. The old philosophies were empty. And they had proven powerless to change men's lives. New mysterious religions or religions of mystery were invading the empire. Religious bankruptcy, spiritual hunger was everywhere. God was preparing the world for the revival of his son. Now let me repeat that as we're talking about we're describing the days of his, of his coming as a Savior and see if it doesn't describe the days that we're living in now which points to his return for us in the clouds. I want to read these words again. The old religions were dying. Philosophies were empty. They had proven powerless to change men's lives. Mystery religions were invading the empire. Religious bankruptcy, spiritual hunger was everywhere. God was preparing the world for the, revi- for the arrival of his son. Like American policies today, we're empty. We're searching. And this world is finding nothing. I'm telling you, friend, if you're not saved, you need to trust Christ as Savior. If you know folks that are not saved, it is time to get the gospel out. Surely Christ is coming soon. 
from the historical point of view, the Roman Empire helped prepare the world for the birth of the Savior. Roads, they built roads or highways that connected city with city, and all cities were connected to Rome. Roman laws were for one thing. I'm repeating historians of those days. Romans law, Roman laws were written to protect the rights of citizens. And Roman soldiers guarded the peace or the peaceful right of everyone to exercise their personal rights. That's where we live today. A man does that which is right in his own eyes. Everybody's talking about their rights. Not talking about how God created them, male and female, and how he taught us how to behave and live. Everybody's talking about their rights and laws are written to protect. And they try to force us to say, you will respect, you will admire the rights of these people. Thanks to both the Greek and Roman conquest, Latin and Greek were known across the empire. And Christ's birth at Bethlehem was not an accident. It was an appointment. Jesus came in the fullness of time. Parenthetically, take your Bibles and go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, go to verse number 21. This is talking about the coming of Christ again. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage, from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Now, we already have the Spirit. We've already been uh, saved, but we're waiting for the redemption when this body is taken to heaven and it's changed to an immortal and glorious body. Verse 24, For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that which we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. There is a groaning. There is a dissatisfaction. Friend, Jesus is coming again. Let me go back now to the book of Galatians. Paul points out the dual nature of Christ in Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 4. And that Christ with both God and man. And God, Jesus, came forth, but as man, he was made of a woman. Here he tells us uh, when and he came and how he came. Now he explains why he came in verse number 5, that is to redeem them that are under the law. Did you know, this is interesting, did you know a man could purchase a slave in any Roman city? There were about 60 million slaves in the empire. And they, those slaves could be purchased for one of two reasons. Either to keep for a slave or to set them free. Jesus came to purchase slaves. You know what he did? He didn't make me a slave to the law. He set me free. Go back into the law. So to go back into the law, 
is to undo the very work of Christ on the cross. He didn't come to purchase us to put us back under the law. He came to purchase us to set us free. Under law, the Jews were mere children, but under grace, the believer is not only a child, he is a son of God with an adult standing in God's family. So Paul tells us, first of all, what we were. We were in bondage. What, we, what he did, he redeemed us. And then he tells us what we are. We are sons and heirs. And this is a part I've been trying to get to in the message tonight. The entire trinity is involved in our salvation. God the Father sends God the Son to die for us. God the Son sent his spirit to live within us. And the contrast here is not between immature children and adult sons the contrast is between servants and sons you see I'm not a servant of Christ under the law I am a son of Christ it's interesting when the prodigal son came back he said to his father would you make me like a hired servant he refused you're not a servant my blood is in your veins you're a son. And I'm thankful tonight that even as the prodigal son left the will of the father and while he was still his father though he was in the far country when he came back and said could I be a slave he said no but you're still a son kill the fatted calf and get the robe and the ring and the shoes and put them on him my son that was lost is now home. You see, the son has the same nature as the father. The servant that saw the son, oversaw, or was the tutor, or the governor of the son, the servant does not have the same nature as the father and the son. When we trust Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live within us. This means that we're partakers of the divine nature. You can't get any deeper than being a child of God, set free by the grace of God. You see, the law cannot give a person God's nature. Only the Spirit of God and regeneration and salvation can give a man the Spirit of God. All it could do, the law, was to reveal to us our desperate need for God's nature. So if the believer goes back into the law, he is denying the very nature that God has put in him. Let me give you four statements to close here. The son has a father while the servant has a master. I'm glad he's my father. That's why Paul concludes in this short passage here and he says in verse number 6, and because your sons God has sent forth his, the spirit of his son into your hearts crying, Abba, Father. No servant could ever say to the master, Father. Even though the servant worked for the master to oversee the son during the period of the law, but when Christ came and fulfilled the law, the master could not uh, refer to the servant as son, and the servant could not refer to the master as father, but the son could call the father Abba, Father. I love this one. The son obeys out of love while the servant obeys the master out of fear. You see, the spirit works in the heart of the believer 
to quicken and increase his love for God. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Romans 5, verse number 5, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Spirit. The Judaizers told the Galatians that they would become better Christians by submitting to the law while they'd lived their lives under the law. They're now out from under the law in grace, and they don't refer to Christ as Master. They refer to Him as Dear Father or Abba Father. And the Galatians, I'm preaching tonight, you can't get any deeper than to be set free by the grace of God, child of God. Rejoice in the fact that Christ died on the cross and paid for your sin and set you free and made you a son of God. The son is rich while the servant is poor. Since we're adopted and placed as sons into the family, we may begin drawing on our inheritance right now. I wish I had time to preach this tonight, but as a son of God and the inheritance of God, he has made available to us the riches of his grace, Ephesians 1.7, the riches of his glory, Philippians 4.19, the riches of his goodness, Romans 2 and verse number 4, and the riches of his wisdom in Romans 11 and verse number 33, and all of the riches of God are found in Christ. I'm a son of God. Let me, get, let me give you an illustration. Brother Swartz, you come stand here. John, you stand over here. You stand here. Brother Swartz, John, you stand over here. I love both of these men, and I'm thankful for these men. These men are servants of the Lord. They're servants of the church. But there's something different about this, uh, about this man than this man. You see, this man has my blood, my nature, he is my son. There's something very special about that relationship. You know what the Judaizers were saying? You might think you can be saved by grace through faith, but you need to add works to it. You can't get any more than being a son of God. It doesn't get any better. And I'm saying tonight, there is something wonderful and, 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 and just uh, there is something spectacular about the fact that He is my Heavenly Father. There's folks today and there's all kinds of ideas and plans how to have a deeper walk with God. The way to have a deep walk with God is say, God, thank you for my salvation. That's by grace through faith. I am nothing. I can do nothing. You're everything and you've done everything to God be the glory. And because of that, I want to serve you, not because I have to as a servant. I want to because I'm a son. Let me give you the last statement. You fellows can go back to sleep. Here's the last one. The son has a future. The servant does not. The son has a future. He receives the inheritance of the father. He has a future. The servant continues and will be nothing more than a servant. Why in the world? Paul said, why do you want to go backwards? You haven't gone deeper. You've died. I mean, you, 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 you're going backward. You're not going forward. 
You see, the son receives the inheritance. And right now, I have received the inheritance of God on earth. I've received his spirit. But one day, I'll receive a new body. I don't know about you, but I get get frustrated with this old flesh of mine. I want it to do better. I want it to do right. I want it to always do right. And I find myself in a battle and in a fight with my flesh all the time. One of these days, my adoption will be complete. I'm his son now, but one day when the trumpet sounds, I'm going home with Jesus and I'm never coming back. This world's not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. I'm glad tonight that I am a son of God, and I can say he's not just my father. He is my Abba. He is my dear Father. Stand with me tonight. Heavenly Father, help us to rejoice in your goodness. It's just a shame, Lord, that this old flesh wants something to crow about all the time. We, We want something to rejoice in our accomplishments. So somebody comes up with an idea and another part of this legalistic system Lord, it can't get any better than being a child of the King and a son of God. 